Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Kong Skull Island. An uncharted island. Let me list all the ways you're going to die. Rain, heat, disease-carrying flies, and we haven't started on the things that want to eat your life. We'll double that. Plus a bonus if we make it back. If? Okay, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Kong Skull Island, and this is a film that fully immerses its audience in the mysterious and dangerous home of the King of the Apes as a team of explorers and ventures deep inside the treacherous and primordial island known as Skull Island. It is starring Tom Hiddleston, Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, Brie Larson, Toby Kebbell, John Ortiz, Corey Hawkins, Jason Mitchell, Shea Wingham, John C. Riley, and a slew of others. It is directed by Jordan Volk Roberts and written by Dan Gilroy and Max Borenstein. Joining me for this review, I have Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. And Mike Vermet. What's going on, everybody? So let's start off here with, you know what? I'm going to take a wild guess here and say, Mike, you might have liked it maybe the most out of all of us. Let's start with you. I, oh, damn. Um, I'm not sure I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> I liked it. I definitely didn't love it. Um, I love King Kong. Like, he's a childhood idol of mine. I loved watching the original black and white ones. Um, and I feel like this movie didn't evoke any of those old emotions. Like, I love the whole monster and beauty kind of thing um and i feel like this didn't really capture that for me in a way that that did well they did have the one scene with uh brie larson and uh kong i guess where it's like he turns into a big old mush you know and that night scene where uh they're like standing out over the cliff looking at him that's not a king kong thing that's what most people and animals would do in front of brie larson i I agree i'm right there with you on that (laughs) Um, I mean, Tom Hiddleston pretty much uh, does that to her too. It's like she looks at him once, and all of a sudden he just is all like, "Hey, what's his heart up? melts." Yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought it had the best action you could possibly do with King Kong. I mean, that helicopter scene is worth the price of admission alone. So you know, definitely liked it. Definitely enjoyed it. Um, actually, better than expectations. Based on those trailers, those trailers are pretty horrendous. Is that a monkey? It does deliver more than I expected it to. Uh, so basically, you liked it for the spectacle more so than anything. Yeah, story's terrible, but the, the spectacle is is awesome. Okay, all right, that's a fair compromise. Kristen Lopez, what do you think? I, too, love the 33 original, and I, that movie, what I think most people forget is that it has a very thin premise. And you can do a entertaining movie with some good characters that has a thin premise, this does all of that poorly. Um, and say what you will about the Peter Jackson 05 King Kong. I like that movie. I like it. It's too long and it's a little boring, but it's good. Yeah, I don't like it, but it at least tells me a story. And I think that this tries to be some type of happy medium 
and it's better than the 76 version, which, you know, that's not a really high bar to, to cross, but there are so many issues from a filmmaking standpoint that just are set what a neophyte director would do because Jordan Vaught Roberts, I mean, he did The Kings of Summer, which is a, a really fun movie. It's not at all proof that he could make a big budget action creature feature. I, and that's kind of what irks me about a side topic about women in, you know, cinema. Women just aren't proving that they can direct big budget films. The man made a movie about three kids in the woods, and yet he's able to make a multi-million dollar movie like Kong. Um, the movie is so thin that I wasn't bored, but I was just not into it at all. Those trailers really put me in the mood for an old-fashioned creature feature, and there are elements of the story that I was so desperate for them to follow. John C. Riley's got a great storyline here, and he's so good, yeah. and I wanted that movie. I could give a baker's fuck about trying to remake Apocalypse Now, you know, or proving that you saw Jurassic Park and you want to make that again, you know? There are just so many hokey lines, so many characters have pointed names, um, you know, there's there's two different stories in this movie, one about the soldiers, one about the scientists, neither one's very good, um, and the characters are just flat, 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 uh, it's, it's a waste of a good cast, it's a waste of a good, it's a waste of Kong, who feels like a just kind of a bridesmaid in his own story just shows up at a certain point. And yes, somebody could tell me that that's how it's always been, but he just, he feels less integral compared to the previous films. This, I, I know we, it's not a spoiler, but if we wanted to remake Godzilla from a couple years ago, oh boy, did we, because I had a lot of the same problems. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, 100%. it's true. And I guess it's very fitting that the two are heading for a collision course eventually at some point. That is the whole reason why this movie ultimately exists. It's the whole reason why Kong is freaking inhumanly large in this one compared to something, say, like the Peter Jackson version, is so that this way he can fight, team up, I don't know, with Godzilla at some point in a future movie. But there's nothing really about this movie that, for the most part, works for me other than the spectacle, as you were saying before, Mike. Um, there are some action scenes that definitely held my attention and definitely from a pacing standpoint, I was never really bored with this movie either. However, Kristen really, uh, nailed it by saying the characterization here of these, uh, characters who were played by some really fantastic actors, John Goodman, Samuel Jackson, it is incredibly thin. There are a shit ton of them too. There are like a million characters in this movie. Yeah. You have Corey Hawkins, uh, and, um, uh, Jason Mitchell, from, both from Straight Outta Compton in this movie. I was waiting for Ice Cube to show up at one point. Um, it's like Brie Larson is phenomenal, but she doesn't really get much to do. Tom Hiddleston is charismatic, but once again, isn't really given much to do as, as far as like his character is Is he charismatic? Because I thought he was wooden as shit oh yeah i did too and and like is brie larson like phenomenal i didn't think she was that good. oh she's just phenomenal in everything yeah, i mean she's she always brings a level of greatness but that character is the the tits essentially there, there is that, no character yeah she's just a set of boobs she's just a set of boobs with a camera yeah to me they felt like 
the people that made this movie decided that they needed Jennifer Lawrence for that role. And they're like, well, we can't get her, so let's get someone else. And they got Brie Larson. Mm. There are moments... The, the, there is the army storyline where all the characters talk like they're auditioning to play Jay Barrichell's <laughs> character in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> they all talk in these like haphazard, like, oh, I'm going to see my mom. And, you know, they have like the everybody's got a story like I'm a day away from retirement. I have a wife and kid at home. You know, this, this is really hackneyed cliche war narratives, um, you know, like. Maybe our our uh, leader, who has been sane up until this point, is going to go crazy because it's apocalypse now. And then you have these scientist characters, led by John Goodman for about fifteen minutes. And you know, there comes a point in the movie where they cut to these other characters, uh, another girl and another guy. And I literally looked at my friend and I said, "Wait, who the hell are these people? I mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were here. Uh, they they have no." I didn't even know their names by the end so of this movie. The, the scientist that was helping, the person that was helping Corey Hawkins, that girl, who was yeah. she? Like, where did she come where, from? Where did she come from? Who was she? All of a sudden, she just appeared in the movie. I'm like, who is that? Has like, she always been here? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, can, can we all agree that uh, the best character in this movie, though, was Shea Wingham's character, who's, like, practical about everything? No? I don't even, I don't even know who it is. He was okay for, for a couple Shea minutes. Wingham, he's from uh, Boardwalk Empire. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's fine. I, I honestly, out of a cast of characters that I thought were completely insane, uh, literally had no dimensions to their personalities whatsoever, he was the only one that I found to be remotely entertaining. I liked Corey Hawkins. He was, I thought, the best one out of everybody. John C. Riley, I thought, stole John the C. Riley was show. Great. He was the oh, best. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. shoot, I forgot about John C. Riley. No, 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 you're right. J- John C. Riley's probably the highlight of the cast in this movie. You're right. I take ba- I take the pack, Shea Wiggum. I'm so sorry. And, and it's funny, John C. Riley replaced Michael Keaton, who was supposed to play that character. Really? And Samuel L. Jackson replaced J.K. Simmons. Well, that's, now that makes a lot more sense. Um, I think both... Samuel Jackson and J.K. Simmons make sense for this role, but I'll tell you what does not make sense. There is one scene in this movie where Samuel Jackson is staring at Kong from the ground up close, and it might just be one of the dumbest, most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Kong is so large that one step of his foot would make Samuel Jackson fall down. The earth would shake so much, and he's just standing there, firm planted, not blinking an eye. And there's camera zooming in on his eyes as he's looking at him, and there's all this fire and everything. And I'm just saying to myself, "You've got to be shitting me!" Oh yeah, this ridiculous. is the, the, the cinematography the and the filmmaking here were so. Music video, 1993. You know, Even the way very, it was edited felt like that too. Oh, the editing was terrible. You have you have these shots of like Kong in the sunlight. You know, in uh, that that seems really pretty on the surface until you find out that he's stealing from Apocalypse Now. You know, there's so many big fire shots. Um, so much slow mo. I, you know, Logan did kinetic action photography that had movement you could still see everything this has so much slow motion for no reason at all and you know who's the cinematographer here who larry fong it's the uh cinematographer who does all of Zack snyder's films oh that makes so much fucking sense yeah. yeah and and can we just say this movie took a pull from you know and it makes sense it takes 
things from the from the Marvel and DC universe because from DC it takes the uh, well in Marvel too for a certain extent the the concept of soundtrack and I've said this before I said it was Suicide Squad you can do a soundtrack which is great you do not need to have song upon song upon song in the same scenes to just prove to us that yes we're in the 70s there are so many attempts to shoehorn in 1970s Vietnam era music. I gotta tell you, I liked the soundtrack in this movie. I like the soundtrack. You don't have to fill every scene, though, with a song. Only the, only the beginning of the movie. Like, towards the end, they've, like, forgotten about all that about the soundtrack. I, yeah, I think one of the I, I characters that, pulls yeah. out a portable record player while they're in the jungle. <laughs> and I was like, are we trying to hit quota here? Like, really? You know, in terms of uh, being, like, uh, very on the nose uh, about so certain things. So on the did nose. Did anybody else cringe hard when Samuel L. Jackson said, hold on to your butts? I did. I oh did. Oh, my God. When I, he said, hold on to your butts, when he said, I am the cavalry, the fact that fucking Tom Hiddleston's last name is Conrad, I was like, we get it. You watched Apocalypse Now, and you saw Jurassic Park this weekend. <laughs> It's funny because when they first get like into Skull Island, they get through like the, the thunderstorm or whatever, and they get to Skull Island. It really looks like Jurassic Park. Yeah, I was waiting for the gates to open. Yeah, <laughs> there's even a part from Jurassic World in here where with the um the pterodactyl birds ripping yes, apart the right. person, and I was like, I didn't like it when it was a woman being ripped apart in Jurassic World. I don't like it when it's a man. Like, stop reminding me of other movies, both better and worse than this. Um, the other thing I also uh, want to point out about this movie as well that I found to be somewhat confusing was when we first meet Kong in this movie, right? We have that scene in the trailer where he destroys the helicopters, I really got this overriding sense that they were actually trying to make Kong a villain. Yeah. I did too. And it really confused the hell out of me because I I definitely got that he was menacing. I got that he maybe lacked more personality than the uh, 05 King Kong version that by Peter Jackson. And I just start, start thinking to myself like, oh, maybe this is definitely like man versus animal kind of a storyline here. And Kong is not... A good guy, but it didn't feel right to me. It makes no sense because at a certain point, our our villain, at a certain the villain problem here is so haphazard because the movie starts out with, I don't think it's a spoiler, but John Goodman kind of sets things in motion, and then he goes away, and then it becomes well, we have to find a new villain. So Samuel L. Jackson's character kind of takes point and says, "Well, he killed my men." And I was sitting there watching this thinking, no, the weird lizard creatures killed your men. Like, I'm not understanding. Are you still really, like, irritated about the initial plane crash? I, it, his motivations make no sense. And no, I, no, no. It's it, it's more, it's not so much about his men as much as it is about him being close to retirement and wanting to, like, he sees this challenge before him that is the biggest obstacle he'll ever have to face as a man of action. And he just wants to overcome it. You got more out of that than I did, because I just saw him trying yeah, to be the too. Colonel Kurtz of this movie, and he was supposed yeah, to go crazy. I, That's... When he's looking at his me- when he's looking at his medals in the beginning, like in the box, and you know he, they tell him like, oh, you know, you're pretty much out the door. You know, it's like 
he's just looking for any reason to still stay in the fight, essentially. I, I gotta say, though, I you know, when you were talking about um, Kong being the villain, I actually would have enjoyed if he was, like, the actual villain of this yeah. film. Because in Godzilla, Godzilla was the hero. He turned out to be the hero of that movie. Um, so I thought it would have been a cool interplay since, you know, we are, everyone knows we are getting King Kong versus Godzilla eventually. Um, you know, in the original King Kong versus Godzilla, it's very much made by Americans and they're like, yeah, fuck the Japanese, like, you know, screw Godzilla. And I thought it would have been cool, like, if in this version, like, we have to use Godzilla as the hero. And King Kong is the bad guy. So you mean like so? Maybe, wait. So I think what you're saying is maybe not exactly this film, but you establish with this film that Kong is the villain, and then you set that up for a Kong versus Godzilla film. Exactly, in the future. where Godzilla is going to cry and save us. It's really interesting to look at this movie in the light of how both movies have been portrayed throughout history. Because you're right, King Kong or uh, Godzilla started out as the Japanese reaction to. Hiroshima World War Two, yeah, and, exactly. and Nagasaki, yeah, the the bombing of of um, uh, by the Americans, and this kind of does that, but it says like we didn't bomb Skull Island, it's just these like these small people, scientists bombed Skull Island, so screw scientists because you know science is horrible. Um, but King Kong, I mean, there's been a lot of criticism written about it throughout the years, but the '33 version is always kind of cited as trying to show the history of slavery in the U.S. Um, with King Kong as, as representative of, of the African-American experience. So I was trying to watch this through kind of those eyes and just found nothing. <laughs> I've, and it's, yeah, it's, I agree with you 100%. It's funny that we looked at Logan as being this very politically charged movie. And I mean, I'm not saying every movie has to be inherently political, but it seems like this movie is so confused on what message it wants to send out. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. This is definitely not a movie for substance that you go to at the no. movie theater. This is as dumb an action movie as you can get. Yep, this is dumb excitement action. And I'll tell you right now, if there was ever a moment in this movie where I felt like I was getting bored, I would probably be, you know, crapping all over this movie a lot more than I am. As it is, though... Um, I think that for what it sets out to achieve, I think it achieves it, and I'll tell you exactly why. I brought a friend with me to see this movie, and he's not a cinephile by any means at all. He's just a casual moviegoer who really only goes when people ask him to. He doesn't even go out on his own, uh, he, and he's seen very, very limited movies in his life. It's actually quite horrible, and it upsets me greatly, but... I brought him to see this and, you know, he throughout the movie is like looking over me and he's going, wow, he's like, dude, this is like incredible. Oh, my God. Like he's like so into it. And I definitely got this sense that a lot of people were probably into it in my theater while watching it. Uh, there are some moments where Kong does uh, some really cool shit. People were uh, clapping at one point in the movie, and I mean, the the, la the only thing that like really does not work in this as far as audience reaction goes are the laughs. The humor in this movie does not land at all, in my opinion. Not even it's John cringy. C. Riley. It's so cringy. Oh, it's terrible. Absolutely terrible. But I feel like, like from that spectacle action standpoint, I think the film sets out to achieve... Uh, I, I think the, what the film sets out to achieve, it ultimately does get. So... You know, it, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, it's it's there. 
Um, we'll definitely we'll definitely be forgetting about it in a couple months' time. That's for sure. I've already started forgetting about it. <laughs> My biggest gripe is that like the first action sequence with Kong and the helicopters is dazzling and it looks awesome. And it's like, wow, we get to see King Kong really be the badass that we always wanted him to be. And nothing else in that movie ever lives up to that action sequence. Yeah. That's the best sequence of the whole movie. And so after that, it's just kind of like, meh. Not even the final, like, boss sequence uh, with the big giant lizard uh, even gets to to that moment Not even close. Uh, Let's pass it off to final thoughts. Grades out of 10. Oscar potential. Kristen Lopez, take it away. Um, I saw this around the same time I saw Beauty and the Beast, and I'm still trying to figure out whether I didn't like this more because I wanted to like it, or if I didn't like it, if I liked it maybe more than Beauty and the Beast because I wasn't yelling at the screen. Um, And I'm, I'm still torn. I compared this to Star Wars Rogue One when I reviewed it, in that I was not bored outright, but I know that this isn't a good movie, and I probably will never talk about it again after this and I wanted it to be good I was really excited for this and it just it fails on every level script directing when somebody says that women directors can't handle big budgets I'm going to point to this movie because Jordan Vogt Roberts can't handle this movie um I just I didn't care for anything except maybe John C. Riley's story um I mean it looks fine you know it's not uh difficult to make the uh, concept of, you know, a gigantic ape seemed really appealing. I don't want to see any more from this universe, though, if this is what it's going to be. Uh, so Oscar potential, visual effects, maybe a sound category, um, but that's it. That's And that's being kind, I think. Um, but my grade, I'm going to give this, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit higher on it because I wasn't overtly mad so i'm gonna give it a, a six out of ten okay mike vermet i um yeah i mean it's it's definitely not good by any stretch of the imagination i actually did find it to be a little bit boring especially towards the middle of the movie i think it definitely drags a bit um but like i said before that first sequence with kong and the helicopters is absolutely worth the price of admission um i totally like the soundtrack um, John C. Riley's character was way better than expected. Uh, based on those trailers, I thought he was going to be obnoxious and really annoying. And he's actually pretty funny and, like, definitely the heart of the movie. Um, Kong looks awesome, which is a good thing. Um, and it has an ending credit sequence, like, after credits, that blew me away. I mean, it was kind of expected. I kind of saw where it was going. But just the way that it was executed... I thought was perfect, and I left with a huge smile on my face. So it definitely made me walk out of the theater with a good taste in my mouth. Um, as far as Oscar potential, like Kristen said, I, I think um, you know visual effects. It could probably get a nod. I mean, Kong looks awesome. I mean, he looks as good as he could, and you know, probably better than most people expected him to look. As far as my grade. I was slightly excited for this movie, so it really did disappoint me in a way. Um, so I'm going to have to give it a five. That's fair. That's fair. Um, as far as like how Kong looks, by the way, I-, I still think the Peter Jackson King Kong had more personality. And I really got more of a sense of a character out of that. Maybe that's due to Andy Serkis. I'm not exactly sure. He had more emotion, but I think this Kong looked more ferocious. I and mean, he looked more menacing. I think you're saying that maybe just based on his size. Though. Maybe. 
Maybe. The enormity of it. You know what I mean? Like, it weighs over you. Definitely more expressive face in the Jackson version, uh, for sure, though. Oh, and by the way, Blanket and You'll Miss Him, uh, one of our greatest character actors, uh, Richard Jenkins, is in, is in this movie for one scene. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I don't think many people, like, either A, remember him or B, noticed him <laughs> in this. Uh, the music by Henry Jackman... Not really much to write home about there. The cinematography by Larry Fong, I actually thought was quite good at times. I think the editing uh, by Richard Pearson is absolutely terrible. I thought some of those scene transitions were just so clunky, did not mesh well whatsoever. The ensemble cast is appealing on paper. There's so many great talents in this with you know Tom Hiddleston, Samuel Jackson, Brie Larson, Jason Mitchell. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. But really, for me, only Shea Wingham and uh, John C. Riley really stood out in the end. Uh, the visual effects, they're fine at points and pretty uh, noticeable at others for a $185 million budget. I definitely was Jesus, not was as... was that the budget? Yeah, I was not as impressed as I feel like I should have been by this at all. Um, and what else? What else? I mean, ultimately, the humor does not land. The characterizations are completely thin. Man, I it's just like it's really, really hard to find positives in this, except to say that the film is heavy on spectacle, heavy on action, and in those areas it delivers. I'm very, very middle of the road on this because I wasn't bored and I act and I didn't get angry at any points, uh, like Kristen said. So uh, I'm going five out of ten on this. Um, it's it's not it's not great and it's not also the worst thing I will see this year either. It's actually something I want to uh, just say real quick. Yeah. This movie makes me hunger for a movie where Samuel L. Jackson and John Goodman get to act together and actually have like good dialogue and a good like chemistry together. Mm. Cause I feel like that could be the awesome like combination of all time. They did have that one tense scene together, and I have to agree with you on that. I really enjoyed seeing them on screen. It was so wasted. I It could be so good, so hopefully sometime soon. I think if you take a bunch of these actors and you say, hey, I want to see these people in a movie together, I think that uh, you could get some really, really interesting, great results, as uh, Straight Outta Compton actually already proved. So with that said, Kristen, where can they find you on the internet? I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. And how about you, Mike Vermette? I will be monkeying around on Twitter at VampDT89. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast as we review Kong Skull Island. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher, and Player FM. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. We would certainly appreciate your feedback. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will see you all next time. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.